Hi. Am I on? I am. How are you? Good. It's lovely to be back. Um, there was this thing that I think you might have heard about called COVID. And uh, it kind of closed a lot of doors. Normally, we would not be four years apart from Australia. Been coming here since 03. Loved our time with you guys. I guess it was four years ago. Um, I want to start off by showing you a short video. One of the things that we do uh, is we take people on short-term trips out into the front lines where everybody, everybody leads people to Jesus and heals the sick and does clean water and does whatever else is needed because we firmly believe the kingdom of God is uh, a big kingdom and it touches every part of life. So when, when somebody receives their sight, the kingdom has come. When a family gets medicine, the kingdom has come. Yeah. So I'll get out of the way. If we could just show this short video, uh, it's an invitation to you. you to come out and play. <laughs> Do the kingdom. Uh, impactnations.com slash journeys if you like. Turn to the person next to you and say the website is impactnations.com. Go ahead, tell them. You know, it's interesting while the worship was happening in the first song. By the way, you're the first group to see that video. It just, just came out, uh, I think, Friday or Saturday. Um, even the production of it is an amazing story. Uh, we've got a training school, we've got many training schools, but one that teaches uh, website, coding, uh, video, uh, and they all come out of some of the worst slums you could have ever, ever imagined in Africa, and they're doing videos and websites for organizations all over the world now. So that's exciting too. But while this was going on, suddenly I'm getting all these remembrances. Uh, that might be called memories. I don't know. Um, 
coming back to me from trips from the Philippines. I was remember, I hadn't thought of this in I don't know how long. I was remembering this little girl, we were in the Philippines, a place called Pampanga, and, and a little girl, Angelica, and she was nine years old, and she was deaf and mute her whole life. And um, we were out in the community, and one of our gals, actually from Sydney, she came and she prayed using a hand puppet so as not to scare her. And the Lord opened her ears, and she instantly began to speak. Isn't that incredible? That's good. That's good. I hadn't thought of that in I don't know how long, dear. And, and then, and then I, I was, I, I've got a picture somewhere of an old lady in another village on another trip. Someone took a picture at the very moment her blind eyes opened and her legs started to work. And she's getting out of the chair going, ah, that's also good, right? That's the kingdom of heaven. That's the kingdom of heaven. Um, I've got, I wrote them down as fast as I could. Oh, this was interesting. You see, the kingdom touches everything. Amen. There's no dichotomy. There's no false dualism between the spiritual and the practical. Because yeah. it's all Jesus and the kingdom of the heavens. We went, up, we went up to a village. They said there was no record of outsiders for 150 years. How many know that's a long time? Yeah. And we got up there, accompanied by the army. And uh, we got in. And it's the only trip we ever had a surgeon with us. And five minutes before we arrived, Australia. yeah, and from Australia, five minutes before we arrived, a boy had cut his hand with a machete and severed the artery and wow. would bleed out. But we just got there wow. with a surgeon. And that was healed. That too is the kingdom of God. Rescue, right? Rescue. Restoration. Rescue. And I, I, I wrote one more, but I better move on, I guess. Well, I'll tell you one more. We went into a village, really like a little town. And we were doing uh, an, an outdoor medical clinic. And people were getting medicine. There was, there was profound healing that day. Someone whose skin had been burned so badly it went right through down into the muscle and burned. And someone prayed and it was perfect. Wow. So that's good, isn't it? But I just remembered that one right now. <laughs> but I was, while well, the clinic's going on, I just was walking through the village and talking to people. Hi, what, what do you need Jesus to do? And, um, and they brought me in and there was an, an old lady and she was blind, and she was deaf, and she couldn't move. I guess it was probably arthritis, but she just couldn't move. And so I said, well, Jesus will heal you. And, <clears throat> and I prayed for her, and she stood up and started to walk, and her family was so excited. And then she started, she said, I can hear, I can hear. And she starts talking. She'd been completely deaf, not hard of hearing. And then the Lord opened her eyes so she could see. Now that's a good triple, isn't it? But here's what I just remembered about it. While that was happening in this house, kind of a shacky house, the door was open and I hadn't realized it. And, uh, and there were a bunch of teenagers watching. I came outside and they were out in front. There was about 15 of them. And uh, so I told them about Jesus. I started to just share the gospel. And they weren't very interested. 
How's that for a great testimony? Hallelujah. <laughs> and then I said, how many of you know Lola? Well, sure, it's a village. They knew her. And I asked the family to bring her out, and they saw Lola seeing, hearing, walking. And they all came to Christ. And then they told their other, there was about 40 young people. You remember Jesus said in John um, 10, 38, he says, if you can't believe me, believe the miracles, because they point to me. And that's a classic example. And I'll stop telling Philippine stories, because none of those were in my message. We were in a Muslim community in uh, central India. And we were doing a mobile medical clinic for the Muslims because, of course, the kingdom of the heavens is for everybody, right? Amen. And um, so I was out in a village praying for people, and I came back, and there was a bit of a buzz. What had happened is a woman had brought her seven-year-old deaf-mute daughter uh, to the clinic to get medicine so she could hear. And the nurse said, ma'am, there isn't any medicine for that. But I will pray for your daughter and Jesus will heal her. So she started to pray. The nurse started to pray. And all of a sudden, the little girl's eyes got big. And she's looking around. And we've seen this happen many times. But she's looking around and it was obvious she could hear. And the nurse said, Oh, God, you're so good, in English, Canadian English. Um, said, Oh, God, you're so good. And the little girl, who'd never heard a sound, said perfectly back, Oh, God, you're so good. How does he do that? And the mother goes, Ah, she starts talking to her in Telugu, and the girl's just talking in Telugu. By the time I got there, she was at a table playing games and coloring with other kids. Her entire future changed in a moment. Her entire life was rescued. The head of the Muslim community called me over. He said, that was amazing. He said, and he's looking around. He's like, he doesn't want anybody to hear. One of these, you know, psst. He said, I hurt my back 20 years ago, and it's in constant pain. Do you think Jesus would heal me? said, oh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Prayed for him, and he was completely healed. Hallelujah. And then he came with us four days in a row, wherever we went, Muslim communities, Hindu communities, and he was telling people about Jesus and what was going on. Wow. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> there was a, a Hindu doctor, and uh, his daughter showed up on the last day at the compound where we were sleeping and said... I've been watching you this whole time. He was only supposed to come for one day. The government assigned him, and he stayed the whole time. He says, and I was watching the way you love each other and love our people. You have something, and I want it. And he came to Christ. Hallelujah. About three or four months later, that Muslim community came to our friends and partners and said, we want to give you land so that you could build a clinic. And the land actually was worth about $100,000. They gave them the land, and our guys built a clinic, and about 100 people a day come 
every day for medical care. Wow. Now, isn't that interesting? Yeah. You could probably figure out that, uh, that when Sylvia prayed, she couldn't see that end result. A few years ago, I was in a city called Nakuru. It's in Kenya. And I was preaching on a Sunday at a large gathering. And at the end, my friend brought up the imam. You know what an imam is? The, the Muslim priest. He, he said, this is the top teacher of the Quran in this part of Kenya. And we had a nice talk, he and I. And he said, would you come and speak at our mosque? Oh, no, I couldn't do that. I'm a Christian. I said, really? That'd be lovely. I'd love to do that. So a couple of days later, I show up, and, uh, and I just told him about Jesus. He said, one thing you can't do is you can't give an invitation. But you can tell him about Jesus. So I talked about Jesus, invited the love of God to come. And the presence of the Lord came down. And there were some people weeping, and our team was praying for folks at the mosque. I found out later that, that two men went home, and uh, they, they, their wives were at one of their houses, and they told them what they'd heard about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit fell in their kitchen, and the four of them came to Christ. I found out that behind the wall where I was preaching, I had no idea, but there were lots of women there, and one of them was an 18-year-old, and she heard about Christ, and she gave her life to the Lord. I didn't know this till a year later. In that year, she went into the high schools and started groups to tell them about Jesus. And one year later, she had 4,000 students. When, we, when I left the, the mosque, my friend said, well, now that you're gone, I'll tell you the exact place where you were standing last year. An American missionary was standing there, and he had a Koran, and he had a Bible, and he said, this is the truth, this is a lie, and he threw the Koran down, and they killed him. I said, Mike, thanks for not telling me that. When I was at the mosque, I gave, um, I gave the imam a small computer. They don't hardly make them now, but netbooks, a little computer. And he, he went and secretly downloaded the Bible. The number one teacher in the Quran in that part of Kenya. And he downloaded the Bible and he started to read it. And he came to my friend Mike a month later. He said, it's true. Jesus is the Son of God. And Mike prayed with him, and the Holy Spirit fell on him. About six months after that, he came to Mike and said, I think Jesus is telling me to go to Garissa. Garissa is a city we've been to that is over by the uh, Somali border. It is 110% Muslim. It's militant. It's, he said, okay. So he went. 
and he became the imam at a mosque there. But then he said, if any of you want to know more about Jesus, I'm going to talk about him Sunday nights. And so they came. Some didn't, lots did, but they came and they learned about Jesus and they fell in love with Jesus. And they didn't stop being part of the mosque. Because you understand, we confuse cultural stuff with the gospel. So they're just, they're Muslim followers of Jesus. We have Sikh priests who are now Sikh followers of Jesus. So that was going on. Very interesting, right? Friends like this, some, are, some following Jesus, some not, but oh. Anyway, a story hit the wire. This is a few years ago now. I'm telling you an older story because I want you to get... There's a point I want to make. But it hit the international wire, and I read it and went, whoa, because there was a bus uh, of people near Garissa, and um, militant Somali Muslims came with machine guns, stopped the bus, and said, we heard there's Christians here. You throw them out because we're going to kill them. And the Muslims in the bus said, no, we won't do it. And they said, then we'll kill you all. And the Muslims said, go ahead, because we won't do it. And they were just totally flummoxed, and they left. They took off. I read that story. It was national. It was international wire. That bus was filled with the people from the imam's church slash mosque. Isn't that amazing? So 18 months earlier, when I stood in a mosque and I started to tell them about the love of Jesus, look what God did with it. Look what he did with it. In Mark 4, 26 to 29, Jesus said, This is what the kingdom of uh, God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. But all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. I want to talk today about all by itself. There is a movement to the whole cosmos. The cosmos, of course, is the creation of the creator. It is his canvas. The cosmos reflects the triune God. So far, so good? That means if we want to move in the rhythm of the cosmos as he created it, if we want to move in the rhythm of the kingdom then we're moving in love, forgiveness, mercy, grace, and fruitfulness because that's the direction of the cosmos. All by itself, he plants seed, he goes away, he doesn't know how on earth it happens, but it happens. Mark 4.25 To the one who has, 
he receive even more. Remember that one? And the one who doesn't have even what he thinks he has. Let me give you the modern translation. To the one who has and uses it, he gets more. The one who has and tucks it in his pocket for another time and never gets around to it, even what he thinks he has isn't there anymore. The all-by-itself principle is not about our determination, our giftedness. It's about moving in the rhythm of the cosmos, moving in the rhythm of the kingdom of the heavens. This whole term, uh, kingdom of the heavens, is really important to me. Because that, you read kingdom of heaven in, in your Bibles in Matthew, but it's actually the kingdom of the heavens. Why does that matter to me? Because we have kind of picked up the, the Jewish concept of heaven as a place rather than a realm. You see, it's not a place we go to. It's ultimate reality that is all around us. Amen. That's why Paul talks about the, the heavenlies or the heavenly realm in Ephesians. I encourage you to hang around Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 right now. Because there's something on that. So we're moving in another realm and it releases the realm that's always around us. Amen. When heaven is a place, we think it's our destination. Yeah. And, and, and I've been telling pastors the last, whatever it's been, two weeks, ten days, that our gospel has become too small. Yeah. Because we think of it as a, as a destination, as a place. And so our gospel has turned into come to Jesus, come to church, go to heaven. And that gospel is not the gospel of the kingdom. It is not the gospel that, that Jesus would have ever said. The early church wouldn't have even understood that gospel. It is a calling into the heavenly realm. That's what Paul's doing all the time. Look at it in his letters. He's always calling them up. Calling them up to the heavenly realm. He says he gets ticked off with the Galatians. That was his first letter. He got a little smoother as he got going longer. But he says, you foolish Galatians, you blockheads, what's wrong with you? You started in the life of the Spirit, the rhythm of the kingdom, the reality of the heavenlies, and you've slipped into the flesh. The flesh doesn't mean you go to movies and you smoke, right? <laughs> Well, that's how we presented it. And we had our particular list of don't do's that we called holiness. It's ridiculous. It's, it's you've slipped into natural, limited, down-here thinking. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, right? You guys know that. But what does it mean? We've theorized it. We said, oh, well, one day I'm... No! The ultimate reality of heaven, because you are in Christ. 164 times Paul says, you're in Christ. 164 cotton-picking times. Because that's the reality. I promise you we have an enemy who wants us to be thinking naturally. But it's a whole new deal. When Jesus came, he brought the kingdom of the heavens. And this kingdom of the heavens, this gospel of the kingdom is so powerful that all by itself. And in this short little parable I just read, it doesn't matter 
whether the guy sleeps or he's awake or he goes to the movies. It doesn't matter. All by itself, it produces a crop. And of course it does. You guys know Isaiah 55, 11. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Of course, the seed has got the power of the kingdom of the heavens in it. And he doesn't know how. It's beyond his limited perception. It's beyond his knowledge. Boy, do we know that right now in Impact Nations. It's almost in spite of himself. He's not even trying anymore. It says he scattered the seed, he goes away, and it just happens. This is the gospel that you carry. Paul says in Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. It's the power. And when he scatters the seed, that power is released. You guys tracking with me? And I love Paul, man. He's, he's always practical, and he's always supernatural because he sees it's all the same. No wonder he calls us up to the heavenly places. If you read carefully, Paul's, Paul's central message, great theologian Gordon Fee died last week, and he was a huge influence on me in the 80s and 90s. That's the 1980s, okay? So, um, but, but he really made it clear to me years ago that, God, that Paul's central message was not justification by faith. It was, you are a people of the Spirit. That's what this verse is about, a people of the Spirit. He's always calling us up. Don't forget who you are. I was found myself, I was preaching at a church last night, and I found myself just kind of speaking out um, Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. The point is, all through the Old Testament, New Testament, it's calling us up to the heavenlies. And the way the Hebrews writer did it, he says, don't you realize, have you forgotten? You've been called to Mount Zion. Yeah. You've been called to the heavenly Jerusalem. Amen. You've been called to myriads upon myriads of angels. You've been called to the church of the firstborn. You're part of the church. Man, you are interacting right now with Peter and with John and with Ignatius and Irenaeus and Maximus and on and on. Beyond time, beyond space. That's what I was teaching on last night. Lift up your eyes and see, Jesus said. John 4, 35. Lift up your eyes and see. The steward amplified says, lift up your cotton-picking eyes. <laughs> At Impact, we are discovering to live in this reality. It's, it's a lifelong journey, but we're discovering it. You know Ephesians 3.20, beyond all we could ask or even imagine. We've got... Whew, you sure I can only preach till 3? <laughs> We've got all by itself happening all over the world all the time. Three new countries in the last 10, 20 days. 
that is just, we do a little, we scatter a bit of seed and whoo, look at that and look at that and look at that. Craig was with me when we got into a brick factory with slaves, three generations of slaves making bricks as young as four years old. And suddenly God opened a door and we thought it was this big of a door and we were doing backflips that we could get some of those kids out of slavery into school, get them a, a, a good meal once a day because they're so hungry their mothers put brick dust in with the, the rice to try to expand it. But we took that step, the, we scattered that seed and the all by itself principle took over and now, out of slavery, into school, clothed, fed, we have 1,600 children no longer slaves. And there's another 1,000 right now waiting. I've got more stories here, but I'm going to move on, except for one. COVID was terrible in India. We, you know, we work in a lot of countries, but we do a lot of work in India. And uh, COVID at its peak in India was so bad that 25,000 a day were dying from COVID. And so what we thought, okay, let's try to get some oxygen concentrators. You know with COVID you're dying because you couldn't get enough oxygen. We'll get some, and we'll get like a tarp or a little tent and some people could come. We thought we could do that. So we raised some money and we got, the oxygen concentrators. But you see, the kingdom of God is like a man who scattered seed. And all by itself, it produces a crop, and he doesn't know how. Time doesn't let me tell you all of it, but we were absolutely astounded when instead of our little tarp in the corner, God gave us an entire clinic, a whole wing of a hospital, wow. equipped, we brought the oxygen stuff, they had the beds, and then 15 doctors. And the, one of the doctors said after four months, he says, I want you to know this clinic has directly saved the lives of 5,000 people. And all we wanted to do was do what we could. No wonder Paul calls us up to live in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. The heavenlies, where there is supernatural multiplication. Hmm. In Matthew 16, the guys are hanging out, talking about all the rumors of who Jesus is. And he overhears them. Some of them are pretty wild rumors. But he says, okay, so who do you say I am? Remember? Verse 16, Peter, the first one to ever say it. I think, I think the angels were high-fiving. I think there was a party. I think they ordered extra-large pizzas in heaven. When Peter said, I got it. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said some interesting things right there. Verse 16 to 19. Number one, he says, you're right, Pete. And you didn't figure it out. It was a download from the Father. Heaven just came to earth for you. 
And he says, and upon this revelation, I'm going to build my church, this rock. And it doesn't matter whether the rock was Peter who had the revelation or the revelation. It doesn't matter. I'm going to build my church. What was he going to build his church on? What does he build his church on? The revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So when he said that, he's telling us, preach Christ. No wonder Paul said, I purpose to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified to the Corinthians. We preach Christ. My, the longing of my heart, because you know we travel all over, is I love, as we heard today, I love worship that's about Him, not what He can do for me. You make me happy. You give me blessings. You do, it's all true. But that's not the rock. The revelation is built upon is Christ. Preach Christ. Worship Christ. Focus on Christ. Because frankly, if we focus on what Christ can do for us, we get bored. Because we're not made for that gospel. Oh, that's not in my notes. How did I go down that road? So he says, that was revelation. Build my church on this revelation. Then he says, from now on, whatever you release on earth is released in, and the preposition is from heaven. So whatever you release on the central coast, that's what gets released from heaven. When I got a hold of that, which is probably 15, 18 years ago, that, oh, heaven's waiting for me to release yeah. the kingdom. This is, how the, this is how the crop grows. Does that make sense to you? Once when, I don't have time for the story, but, but once he spoke to me in a crowd, when, when a little girl who'd been deaf for 10 years got her, got her hearing, and the night before a, a mute boy suddenly spoke, and he said to me, I've been waiting for years to do that, but no one would release it. Wow. Isn't that interesting? This is part of scattering seed. This is releasing the kingdom of the heavens. Baby, you better come up because it's almost 10.15. This is the lovely Christina Margaret. And I asked her to just share one story of the all by itself. You see, when he scatters the seed, it multiplies. A hundred, uh, sixty, thirty-fold. Right? Yep. So one of my passion, passions is rescuing women out of desperate situations. And... Um, it looks different in different countries. In Kenya, um, we go out on the streets and we invite, we invite the prostituted women to come and we share the gospel with them, pray for them, pay them for their night, and then we have a rescue program for them with a safe house and business training and business loans. And we scatter seed everywhere, thousands and thousands, and sometimes we get to hear the follow-up. So I came back a year later and uh, was taken to a woman's business that we had rescued the previous year. And she had a little tiny salon uh, that she ran and did the work in. 
and she had an assistant with her. But there was a backstory that I didn't know, so interviewed her. In one year, she had rescued 20 women from the streets and started 12 salons. And those women are now rescuing women who are rescuing women. And they tithe back into the fund so that the fund carries on. So that's the all by itself. We scatter seed. We don't know what God's going to do. The kingdom of the heavens is like a farmer who went out and scattered seed. And, and you know this. A, a quarter of it went on the road. A quarter of it went in the rocky places. A quarter in the, in the weeds and thistles. And a quarter in good soil. Um, that is, that's ridiculous. I mean, I used to spend time at my cousin's farm. I'm a city boy. What do I know from farming? But the summers I got to be with my cousin on the farm, and I know what would have happened to me if I'd been so careless with the seed that it had gone on the road, etc. So, of course, part of the story is about four responses to the gospel, but I think there's a bigger meaning here. The reason the seed goes everywhere is because of the passionate, fiery, extravagant love of the Father. He can't help himself. Yeah. It goes to everybody. He doesn't qualify. We qualify. Oh, we don't think they're quite ready yet to hear. Or we'll want to do a little outreach and we'll do three planning meetings. Just scatter the seed because of the all-by-itself principle. It is the gospel which is the power of God unto salvation, not our planning, not our budgets, not anything. It has got its own life. Everybody with me on that? So, hmm. Let me tell you one last story, because I really don't want to keep you late. Three weeks ago, uh, we had a team, Craig was part of that team, in a place called Wakiso. It was uh, very poor. Uh, well, it was, it was medium poor. It was, Uganda was medium. Uh, village. And we were doing a clinic at the school. And in the daytime, we were doing feeding and we were doing uh, mosquito nets because they're coming into malaria season. Just before COVID, I don't have stats after COVID, but 110,000 Ugandans died from malaria. 78,000 of those were children. So we were getting that done. In the midst of the day, I saw Pastor John. Now, we've worked for a long time in another part of uh, the country called Kalonga. And we've brought about uh, transformation for 25,000 people. We've got, we've got clean water. They had the worst water I'd ever seen. Um, we, uh, we, we bought land. We call it the widow's land and abandoned women whose only options are begging or prostitution. We gave them a plot of land. They built a simple house, but they had land enough to feed their family year-round and even sell stuff at the market. And it's grown and grown. I love it. It's not a big one. It's, it, there's a, like 175 people, but their lives, they've gone from sitting in the dirt, and I'm not exaggerating how they would survive. 
And now they've got, it's, they've got life. It's restoration. I saw restore on your wall. And I thought of that right away. It's restoration. And we built a school. 520 kids come and a farm and businesses. We did a lot of business training and now they got businesses. And so for the first time ever, they got money. And so there's a bank registered with the National Bank. So that's the idea. That's where John came from. Uh, in 2016, I went over with our partner from India, who heads up the largest house church movement in India. He's got over a million people in house churches. And we went and we trained there on how to start house churches, because we really believe in them for discipling where we go. And um, John looked profoundly uninterested. And uh, that was fine. We did it. I didn't hear anymore. We also, we had a piggery. We had a farm, and there was a piggery that we built, and then I never heard anymore, and I thought, well, that one didn't work. They don't all work. And then I found this out. That was 2016, the all-by-itself principle. Um, when we were in the town, whose name suddenly escapes me, Wakiso? Wakiso. Way through the day, I found out the rest of the story. John had heard about this very, very impoverished community, so he went there. And he hardly knew where to start, but he thought, I'll start with a house church. I didn't think he liked house churches, but he started a house church. He gathered children so they could begin to get some education. Not from him, he's illiterate, but he gathered someone. And then here's what I didn't know. All those years that I never heard about the pigs, he kept raising and selling, raising and selling, raising and selling. And this man, who I'm convinced doesn't own three shirts, built a school. Wow. And there's 300 kids going to school. Wow. And there's now 17 house churches. I was astounded. And as soon as he told me that, I thought of this. That's why I'm sharing it with you today. The all-by-itself principle. Beyond all we could ask or even imagine. It's a big gospel, beloved. And we're not called to figure it all out and get it all right. We're just called to scatter seed. And that seed is, it looks like mercy and forgiveness and love and Amen. compassion. Amen. It looks like fruitfulness. It is the reality of the heavens coming and touching. It's coming and touching. It touches, it's for your community. When I go home, I'll go back to what they call the war zone, the most violent part of my city. And I will scatter seed. And by the way, when I do it, I'll take somebody with me. But we'll scatter seed because we're called to scatter seed. We're invited to scatter seed. I, I, that's my encouragement. Oh, I looked at the time. I've gone past 11. So let me finish where I started. And Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, and he does not know how. All over the central coast, all by itself, 
the soil produces grain. This is the great adventure of my life. Before Impact Nations, I planted a number of churches, and I wouldn't let us meet on Sunday mornings till we were out in the community, especially with the poor. And when it was established, I'd say, okay, now we're ready. Because I wanted it in our DNA. Because I teach pastors all over the world. I say, your job is not to try to get people into church. They look very confused. I say, your job is to get the church out to people. And it doesn't mean getting out with our great plans and our everything. It means trusting Papa enough that it's the gospel seed that is the power of God to change, to rescue, to transform, and to restore, as you've got written out there. Can I pray for you? And then I'm going to pass it over to you. I can't hear you. Yep, they've got it sorted. they got it sorted. Okay, everybody say, Christina, they've got it sorted. Yes. <laughs> I, that was just mean. I repent. Oh, Jesus, I repent. She's got a thick skin. She's married to me. Let's stand up. If you want to have a good time, hang around Mama Christina because she's got Hundreds of stories of lives rescued. Out of prostitution, out of abuse, out of prison. We, we've got we've seen over 7,000 people rescued from prison now. Hallelujah. Why? Because of the all-by-itself principle. So, Lord, I'm asking right now, just as, as, uh, as I finish my time, I'm asking for you to begin to stir something new in us. Lord, that it's the, it's, it's the rhythm of the kingdom. And Lord, you will do so much more than we can even ask or imagine. And Lord, we know that verse, and we, we know that concept, but I'm asking for it to penetrate our hearts. I'm asking for it to go deeply, deeply, deeply into us. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you to scatter seed. I bless you with the rhythm of the kingdom and to release it. I bless you to enjoy the delight of the Father and the delight of fruitfulness that's in Jesus. I bless you with that. Amen. And just before I pass it over, within the sphere of what just happened, I apologized to Christina. Because as soon as I said it, I thought, that's not kind. So I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to forgive me. She said, it's okay. She will. Whew. God bless you. Shall I pass this to you, Kim?